global elites are hobnobbing in Davos, Switzerland this week as part of the World Economic Forum's annual meeting, but criticizing these elites standing opposed to their global governance schemes will get you called a conspiracy theorist, according to these elites. We're going to break it all down on the show today. Plus, we'll be joined by True North's Andrew Lawton, who's on the ground reporting in Davos. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the program. It's great to have you here. I hope everyone had a wonderful Victoria Day long weekend. Hope you got to spend lots and lots of time with your family, with your friends. I got to spend some time with my family. I love to unplug over these long weekends. I basically just turn my phone and computer off and soak in as much time with my two little kids. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and it's just so much fun. Having little kids around is the funnest thing. My daughter, Georgia, who is 18 months, is starting to talk. Her and her brother, like they like to wrestle and play, and it's just really, really uh, fun to, to be a part of that and to get to really immerse yourself uh, with the kids. And, and, and I like getting rid of all the technology, getting rid of all the devices to spend time with the family and the kids. It's really what it's all about. I want to talk today about the World Economic Forum, about what's going on in Davos, because we're living through this really interesting moment in time where we have this sort of expert class that tells us everything that is good for us, that, 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 that we're ruled by these technocrats who truly believe that they know better how to live our lives uh, than we do. And they sit there and they issue heavy-handed edicts. They push heavy-handed rules. We've lived through some of the most heavy-handed uh, authoritarian-like rules in my lifetime, where the government had exerted so much control over what we can do. I'm talking about the COVID pandemic, the restrictions that we all lived through. We, we haven't seen anything like that in the West before, maybe since since wartime, since, since the Second World War, when there were Emergency uh, Measures Act uh, acts issue. And so what, what we're, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing is a backlash towards that. People don't like that. People don't like these technocratic experts telling us what to do because lo and behold, the experts are often incorrect. What a surprise, I know, this idea that experts can't actually run our lives better. And so I, I see a growing pushback against this, and it's not really a left-right thing anymore. It's more like more and more people just don't want these arrogant, uh, progressive, mostly left-leaning elites telling us, designing our lives, telling us what's good for us, telling us that we're going to have to suffer, we're going to have to sacrifice uh, for some greater good that we don't see, especially when the underlying assumptions that these elites are making are often wrong. And so, so we're seeing lots and lots of pushback against this. I think the trucker convoy, that was what it was all about. But there's so many other instances in society. You can look at Brexit, you can look at Trump. People don't like to be told what to do by a group of out-of-touch elites. And nothing sort of exemplifies this attitude and this d distinction between the elites and everyone else better than what goes on every year in Davos, Switzerland, a luxury ski resort in the Swiss Alps where the global elite gather um, and they have these conversations out loud. They say the quiet part out loud. They talk about how they want to reset the economy, how they want to uh, redesign the way that we live our lives. They want capitalism to be infused with their woke ideology. Um, they want us to sacrifice in terms of getting rid of fossil fuels. They want to eliminate the kinds of jobs that they don't want. They, they, they really talk out loud about this utopian vision that they have for the world where the experts are in charge and everyone else just does exactly what they say. And so lo and behold, no surprise 
surprise, people don't like that. People don't like being told what to do by a group of out of touch experts and snobs. And that is exactly what the World Economic Forum is all about. So it's easy to understand why there is a lot of interest in what goes on at Davos. There's a lot of anger about what goes on at Davos. And it's not just coming from the conventional political right. I know that a lot of the ink spilled um, in the Canadian legacy media is talking about how there's these conspiracies on the right. Uh, the reality is that people on the left also oppose a group of billionaires flying in their private jets, um, heading to, a, again, a luxury ski resort in the Swiss Alps um, to kind of rub elbows with, with with politicians and government officials and the head of NGOs. Like, like the, this, whole, this whole gathering upsets a lot of people, not just on the political right, but on the political left as well. Our own Andrew Lawton, who's on the ground there, uh, has been reporting how most of the protesters that go in and try to destabilize it, you know, they're, they're, they're climate environmentalists or they're vegan activists. They're people who you would traditionally think of on the political right. Obviously, there's a lot of frustration and uh, skepticism from the political right as well. And, and yet what we see from the media, almost in lockstep, is a kind of weird defense of these global elites. You have media across the board in Canada basically saying it's not okay to criticize these global elites. And if you do, you will be called a conspiracy theorist. This is a perfect example, I think, of why Ezra Levant over at The Rebel, he coined the term the media party to describe the media, the journalists in Canada, because they all take the same position. It's like a party where they all kind of agree on the party lines and then they repeat the same talking points about it. It doesn't matter what publication they write for. It doesn't matter whether they're uh, journalists, reporters, political pundits. It doesn't matter really if they're conservative or liberal. They all have the same opinion when it comes to Davos. We're going to go through uh, some of that on the show today. So first, I want to talk about the so-called conspiracy theory and what it is all about. So when you see all these members of the media party sort of shaking in anger and consternation, saying, you know, these, these awful right-wingers and their conspiracy theorists about the World Economic Forum. What are they talking about? Well, basically, the conspiracy theory is that the World Economic Forum has penetrated Canada's cabinet, that, that, that this group of elites basically controls Justin Trudeau and his cabinet. There's also a conspiracy around Klaus Schaub, who is the head of the World Economic Forum. He started this thing 51 years ago. He's an academic uh, from Switzerland. And he, 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 he the, the idea is that basically this guy has total control. He, he, he controls governments. He, he planned the pandemic, that the whole idea behind the pandemic um, was a great reset in order to just collapse the global economy and restart uh, to build it in some other way. Obviously, that's not true. This guy isn't all that powerful. But, you know, the reason why people believe this and the reason why people think this is because that's literally what he says. <laughs> that's literally what he says. So here is Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, explaining how he has penetrated governments with its young global leaders program, including Justin Trudeau. Let's see that clip. And I have to say, um, when I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet 
are for our actually young global leaders of the world economic right. form. So, gee, I wonder, I wonder why some people online think that this guy has penetrated uh, Trudeau's cabinet. Well, maybe because he says that he has. Uh, likewise, you know, the whole idea of the Great Reset is supposedly a conspiracy theory, and yet Klaus Schwab's own book is called COVID-19, The Great Reset. So, you know, it, it's not like these conspiracies are coming from thin air. There, 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 there is actual reasons behind why they're there. Now, you don't have to believe the meat of the conspiracy to be skeptical of the underlying assumptions around it. Namely, that yes, a group of very influential, high-profile, powerful people gather every year. They, they go skiing in this beautiful ski resort. Usually the event takes place in January, but this year they were all so paranoid and so worried about COVID, uh, they pushed it back to now, to May. So they didn't get to go on their usual ski trip in the Swiss Alps. I guess that'll have to wait till next year. But they did get to gather in this beautiful Swiss town. And so you have this really bizarre situation where you have a bunch of Canadian journalists basically defending global elites against accusations from Canadians that these people are doing something nefarious so that they're somehow wrong, which again, kind of doubles down on the reason why so many Canadians are skeptical of elites and of institutions. It's like, here we have a group of Canadians, a large and growing group of Canadians who have lost trust in their government. They've lost, they've lost faith in the media. They've lost faith in many of the governing institutions of our country. And Part of, part of their anger and frustration is towards this sort of global elite class of people who make decisions for them. And when you have an instance of people expressing their frustration at these global elites, you have the media, one of the institutions that is failing, that Canadians have lost trust in, uh, their knee-jerk reaction is to defend the global elite against accusations from the people. Once again, I made this point several times on social media and on the show that journalists used to hold the powerful accountable in service of the public. So, so, so they would hold government accountable, they would hold powerful people, hold billionaires, hold corporations accountable in, in service of the public. Now, what we see more and more, and this is another example of it, we see journalists holding the public accountable in service of the elites, in service of the government. And so here we have Clark Campbell over in the Globe and Mail saying that the World Economic Forum conspiracy theory is in the conservative leadership race and it's in Canada's main streets. He, he does pick up on this trend. He writes that as a development in Canadian politics, it could be a lot more important than a leadership race. A sizable group of Canadians have lost trust in, well, almost anyone. Okay, it's not just in the Globe and Mail that they are accusing Canadians of being conspiracy theorists. Our friends over at the Toronto Sun have likewise jumped in. Here's Brian Lilly writing an op-ed last night. Paul, you shills conspiracy theories to sell memberships. His whole point here is that, well, members of the Harper government attended the World Economic Forum a decade ago, and therefore, how could Pierre Polyev criticize it? Uh, what, what, what we see here is basically a bunch of straw man arguments saying that Canadians who criticize the World Economic Forum are lying or they're wrong or they're mistaken, uh, failing to, uh, to actually try to understand what the criticisms are that are deeper. Um, so Brian Lilly writes this. Schwab's call to have a great reset in the economy as part of the recovery from COVID-19 has been the focus of those who see the World Economic Forum as an organization with too much power. 
There are regular claims the World Economic Forum controls governments, including Justin Trudeau's cabinet, and fixes elections. Then Brian Lilly writes, none of this is true, but it's shared widely online, and it's the people who buy into these conspiracy theories that Polyev is trying to attract in his bid to win the leadership of the Conservative Party. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder why people believe that the World Economic Forum controls governments, perhaps because all of these government leaders go and gather in Davos every year. Uh, when it comes to Justin Trudeau's cabinet, his own finance minister sits on the board of the World Economic Forum. Forget about everything else. How is that not a conflict of interest? How is it not a conflict? of interest for a cabinet minister, the Minister of Finance, to also sit on the board of this global governance organization. Our friend Rupa Subramanya over in the National Post raised these questions, and I think it's perfectly legitimate and perf perfectly reasonable that we question and doubt this. So Subramanya's piece here says Chrystia Freeland's side gig with the World Economic Forum is endangering Canadian democracy. Freeland notes an invitation to Davos marks an aspiring plutocrat's arrival on the international scene. That was a quote from Chrystia Freeland back when she used to be critical of the World Economic Forum. The global elite don't especially enjoy the glare of publicity on their privileged lifestyles, so much so that Freeland wrote in a 2015 opinion piece in The Guardian that after my book Plutocrats was published in 2012, I was even disinvited to a Davos dinner party. The doors of Davos were closing for Freeland. They swung back open with her entry into politics in 2013. And so now we know that that Freeland is sitting on the board. She's she's currently the only government minister to be sitting on a board. So again, makes you wonder wh why is that a conflict of interest? Why is Chrystia Freeland allowed to sit on a board that is espousing incredibly left-wing views, right? This is, this is the heart of the matter, that the experts and the elites at Davos express views that are not that, that are not widely shared by Canadians. They're pretty extreme. They're pretty out there. Okay, but here's the, here's the real issue with Davos. It's not so much that it controls the Trudeau government. I don't think that Klaus Schwab picks up the phone and tells Justin Trudeau what to do. The problem is that Justin Trudeau and the liberals, and, and by that I mean broadly liberals in politics and media, including most of the media party here, is that they, they like global institutions. They, they favor globalism. They like the United Nations. They're aspirational. They like the idea of working together. And they, and they truly believe in the power of these institutions. And, and that is counter to the growing sentiment in society who, who feel like these global institutions don't work and they're not working in, Canadians, in Canada's best interest. They're not working in the best interest of Canadians. In fact, they sort of undermine our sovereignty. And so it's not so much that Trudeau is controlling controlled by them, but it's that Trudeau is inspired by them. Trudeau and his liberal cabinet ministers love going to these kind of global events. They love virtue signaling. They love being at the forefront. They love the glowing uh, profiles that they get from like-minded journalists who also go to these events. So, so time and time again, they, they, leave, they leave Davos and they come back and basically adopt exactly what was being talked about. So we have a bunch of examples in June 2021 addressing climate change through carbon taxes, and they used Canada as an example of successful carbon carbon taxes. Likewise, this idea of the Global Future Council on Energy Transition. There was a piece from 2021, why we need a global framework to regulate online harm that was talked about at the World Economic Forum, and it was adopted by Canadians. We've seen this also in regards to the United Nations. There's a huge uprising, mostly on the political right, a couple of years ago when the United Nations introduced a global compact on migration that basically gave migrants the exact same rights as refugees and said that anyone has the right uh, 
to travel to any country and try to get citizenship. And the media was very, you know, the media party were very upset and they were saying, you know, this isn't law, this isn't ratified, this is just basically an aspirational uh, in international declaration. So why are conservatives getting worked up about it? Well, the idea is because Trudeau comes home and drafts his legislation based on the nonsense and the gobbledygook that is being cooked up in these international forums. And again, we see it time and time again, which is why I'm personally very skeptical of the World Economic Forum. And I think that the criticism of the World Economic Forum is not a conspiracy theory. Sure, there are some conspiracy theories and those should be debunked. It's not true that these people actually control the levers of power, but they inspire governments like the Trudeau government to do all kinds of awful policies that are terrible for the people of Canada. And so that's why I'm happy to see Pierre Polyev come out pretty forcefully over the weekend and say that he will ban cabinet ministers and top officials from being involved in the World Economic Forum. And sure, this is symbolic. It's not going to completely stop the problem of global elites trying to ram their expert opinions down our throats, but it's a good first step. And it's a good measure of where Pierre stands in the in the issue of sort of global institutions and global governance on one side and state sovereignty and the supremacy of the nation state on the other side. And it's good to see Pierre come out on the side of Canada. And so this is a video that Pierre released over the weekend where he basically lays it all out and he, he lets it be known where he stands on the World Economic Forum. And let me just tell you, this created quite the stir online. We'll go through some reaction. And so here is that clip of Pierre letting us know where he stands on the World Economic Forum. And that is why I've made it clear that my ministers in my government will be banned from participating in the World Economic Forum when I'm in government. Canada, work for Canada. If you want to go to Davos to the cons that con that uh, conference, make it a one-way ticket. But uh, you can't be part of our government and working for a policy agenda that is against the interests of our people. What he says are exactly right is exactly at the heart of people's concerns with the World Economic Forum. You can't be part of our government and working for a policy agenda that opposes Canadians' best interests. And and I couldn't have said it any better myself. Good for Pierre, again, for putting that out. Pretty remarkable, the reaction to that tweet. Every fancy person in politics and the media came out in lockstep to denounce Pierre Polyev and to basically just try to dunk on him, try to say that he's lying or that he's promoting conspiracy theorists or saying, well, wait a minute, Stephen Harper attended the World Economic Forum 10 years ago, right? It's like, well, guess what? The, the, this, whole, the, the, this whole realignment about the global elites and experts telling us what to do, uh, that wasn't as much of a concern concern back 10 years ago when Stephen Harper was prime minister. And also we knew where Harper stood. It was very clear that Stephen Harper preferred that Stephen Harper didn't like these global institutions. Every time he went to the United Nations, he would tell us all of the problems that he had with the UN. And so it's so weird to see journalists like, here we have Evan Solomon from CTV or Mercedes Stevenson from Global trying to punch down Pierre as if they're his opposition, as if it's their job um, to counter his position. You know, they're the media, they're supposed to be reporting things. Instead, um, they're jumping into the arena and acting like political players trying to dunk on the potential conservative leader.
And of course, in doing all this, these journalists reveal themselves to be clearly, obviously part of the same global elite mindset that gathers in Davos. I, I, I'm sure they wish that they were all uh, in Davos as well, like Chrystia Freeland, um, who, who managed to go from journalist um, to cabinet minister in Canada to board member of the World Economic Forum. I'm sure all these journalists aspire to that, and that's that's their aspired uh, career path. But I, I want to point out what Robin Urbach of the Globe and Mail said. She, she quote tweeted Pierre and says, I will make Canada the freest country on earth by banning certain people from participating in something the internet told me was bad. It's kind of funny that a journalist would try to measure freedom. Like usually when you measure freedom, you think of the freedom of the everyday person, the ability uh, for them to have a good life, to be able to afford a house, a car, the cost of living, um, free to pick their own career, free to free to live their life in the way they want. Typically, when you're measuring a fr the freedom of a society, you're not measuring it in terms of what government officials and cabinet ministers, uh, what extracurriculars they're allowed to be involved with. It's, it's just sort of weird. That, that, that a journalist would instinctively think of freedom in terms of the freedom of a cabinet minister to go to some fancy conference uh, as opposed to the freedom of everyday people to be able to live their life and pursue their own interests. Uh, just, just really, again, shows you the mindset of journalists that, that they're interested in defending the elite. They're not interested in defending Canadians. They're not interested in, in holding elites accountable in service of Canadians. They're interested in the exact opposite of that, holding Canadians accountable in service of global elites. Well, this seems like a good point in the program to bring in Andrew Lawton, True North's Andrew Lawton, who's reporting from the ground in Davos, Switzerland. Andrew, it's great to have you. Hey, it's good to be with you. So I, I wouldn't even know half the half of what was going on at Davos if it wasn't for your reporting. I, the legacy media seems to have no interest in what's being said and the themes and what's going on there. So first question for you, Andrew, why did you decide to go to Davos and why do you think it's so important to report on this kind of stuff? Well, I think there are two things. I mean, one is that we try to give the people what they want. And I know our audience has been talking a lot about this, asking a lot about the questions they have about the WAF, and specifically its context on Canadians. And I know there are a lot of things that that are territorial about this organization because it is mysterious and that mystery and secrecy breed that sort of stuff. But I think there's an overcorrection from a lot of people who want to avoid looking at it at all who say, oh, it's all conspiracy, you, you can't do anything. So really what I wanted to do was come here and, and do what we do best at True North, which is talk about the facts, talk about the side of the story the mainstream media is not representing, and, and explain without delving into the fringe stuff that really isn't, I think, the bulk of most people's criticisms with the WEF, talk about what the organization is, what it stands for. And a lot of that is just using its own language and showing what it is that they want. I mean, you, you, there is no secrecy about the agenda. They're really using, I think, a very vocal and clear language about what it is they want to do. So just a question, because I remember you had some issues where they didn't want to let you in. They didn't want to allow you to cover this as a journalist. You couldn't get the right credentials. But it seems like you have been able to get in and report on that. So can you give us a bit of an update of, of, of you know, your, your ability to access this and report as a journalist there on the ground? Yeah, so officially, I have no status. Officially, I can't go into any of the secure areas. They have this really weird caste system with badges where your status depends on the color of badge you have. And I'm completely badgeless. So I've got no status here, which means I can't go inside. But there are two things that I think are working in my favor here. The first is that a lot of their programming is actually public. A lot of their sessions are public and you can access them and, and watch them online. Anyone can. We have some people back at, in Canada as well that are going through and, and looking for really important details. But the other part is that this is really a, an elite village. I mean, one of the 
uh, pro-climate justice protesters I spoke to a couple of days ago characterized it pretty well as a corporate Disneyland. And, and they're not used to anyone in this safe space that isn't invited. So a lot of these really important people are just walking around, going into the shops, going into the restaurants. And I've been able to speak to UN officials. A few moments ago, I spoke to former Bank of Canada Governor Mark Carney. He didn't want to answer any questions, but he was there. So it's really a combination of the two, what they're saying publicly and then privately when you see them walking around, just to ask them about what it is they want to do and if they're okay with the consequences of that. Andrew, you wrote a, a piece called The Strange Phoniness of Davos. Well, one of my impressions of the whole World Economic Forum is that the things that they think are the priorities are so distant from the everyday concerns of Canadians. I know you were at the trucker convoy. You report on a, a lot of the co kind of cost of living issues that Canadians face. Uh, can, can you sort of contrast or, or talk about uh, whether you think that the, the, the main areas of focus at a conference like this are aligned with uh, and similar to the day-to-day -day concerns of, of Canadians? No, it, it's the opposite. And, and that's been one of the, the most stark things to see. And I've been trying to figure out how to write about it. So let me work so, workshop some material with you and your, your audience here is that there's just this profound disconnect between the people that deal with the consequences of the policies discussed here and those discussing the policies. And uh, one significant example of this, there was a, a panel yesterday featuring uh, a Norwegian banker who I, whose name I can't recall right now. And, and she was talking about how all of these changes to green energy and the small and medium sized business industry are going to cause pain. Those are her words. And she said, we have to accept that it causes pain and we have to talk about that. But she said, it's all worth it. And we have to just tell people that it's worth it. Well, if you're a small business owner that can't afford the gas bill or the electricity bill for your business, or you're a trucker who can't afford to put fuel in your truck right now, you're not really going to be all that heartwarmed by some Norwegian banker in the Swiss mountains saying that, ah, yeah, but it's short-term short pain, but it's better in the long run. It's not better for the people. It may be better for the country. It may be better for the climate. And both of those, I, I think, are big ifs, but it's not better for the people. And, and they don't seem to care. And it's amazing how little they seem to care about the fact that they don't care. Uh, so one, one of the things, uh, as you probably saw, Pierre Polyev came out with a, a video saying, you know, if, if I'm the prime minister, I'm not going to allow any government officials and any cabinet ministers to go to this thing. And the reaction has been wild. Like like everyone in lockstep has come out to condemn this comment. Um, I, I'm wondering if, if you like what, what what is your what is your feeling? Do you think that Pierre is sort of giving oxygen to conspiracy theorists or do you think that that is a legitimate and, and wise policy choice? One of the things that I find interesting, I've read a little bit of the uh, criticism of, of Pierre Polyev saying that, and what I find fascinating is that the people that try to dismiss conspiracy theories say they don't do anything, it's nothing, it's just a bunch of people to get together and talk, they're, they're not actually doing anything. So if that's the case, why do we want to be involved either? I, I mean, there's, there's an excuse to not want to be involved because you think they're doing a bunch of terrible things, but if you think they're doing nothing, and it is just this global corporate Disneyland uh, get together, then I think there's a similar question of why do we want to embolden that? I, I think for Canada to come here, all of the climate and energy discussions they're having have basically been policies that would amount to signing a death warrant on the oil and gas sector, which in Canada is of the utmost importance. So I think any Canadian government should be looking long and hard at their economic needs in Canada, what we need as a country, and what they're talking about here and saying there's just not a compatibility here. 
Well, Andrew, it looks like you're, you're getting rained on, so I, I really appreciate you sticking it out there uh, for this interview. I'll just ask you uh, one, one final question. You know, we, 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 I, I agree with you that, that the criticism of Pierre, it feels like straw man. It's like rather than actually getting to the root of, hey, this is why people don't like Davos, this is why people don't like the World Economic Forum and what they're talking about, they just say, oh, the stupid conspiracy theorists and how, how dare Pierre give them oxygen or, or, or even acknowledge them. But, but it's a fact that the Trudeau government gets inspired by these kind of radical leftists ideas that get um, shopped around at these kind of conferences. We, we've seen that with climate policies, with punishing oil and gas, recently with uh, online harms or censorship. I'm wondering if, 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 uh, if you, uh, being on the ground there, what, what, what is the main theme of the conference this year? What are people talking about? And what should Canadians be concerned about on the horizon? What's, what's the next thing that Trudeau is going to get inspired by? Well, the, the official theme has been rebuilding trust, which I, I think is a, an evergreen theme. But if you look at the panels that they're having, it's all about climate, the environment. A lot of people are walking around with these UN Sustainable Development Goal pins, but they're not UN employees. They're executives at Microsoft and Google that are all just walking around with these UN pins. So I, I think that the climate change uh, stuff is, is the biggest stuff for Canadians, but certainly free speech as well. I mean, there was a clip I posted yesterday that went viral of Australia's e-safety commissioner talking about how we need to recalibrate uh, things like freedom of speech. So we know that this is some stuff that's very much on the radar for Justin Trudeau. I don't believe that Klaus Schwab is running the show in Canada, but I believe that the World Economic Forum is putting out a series of policies that people like Justin Trudeau really want to lap up. And I, I think that's why, to go back to your original question of why are we here, Canadians need to be paying attention to this. Well, absolutely. And again, Andrew, if it wasn't for the reporting that you're doing, we, we just wouldn't even be aware of any of this. We wouldn't wouldn't have the, the details. Um, and so we really, really appreciate you going and doing what most legacy media journalists in Canada just refuse to do, which is simply go observe, gather information, and you're doing uh, great journalism out there. We appreciate it. And sorry we're getting you, uh, making you stand out in the rain. But we it's all worth it for the story. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for reporting on the ground. That is Andrew Lawton on the ground in Davos, Switzerland, doing excellent journalism, doing the kind of work that the legacy media refuses to do. If you want to help True North out, if you want to help us uh, allow our journalists to, to go to these kind of events, it costs a lot of money to send a reporter over there. We don't have the deep pockets. Uh, we don't have subsidies and grants and funding from the Trudeau government like most other legacy media outlets. So if you want to help support the work we do, head on over to tnc.news slash donate and you can help uh, fund that trip to Switzerland uh, for Andrew Lawton doing great reporting on the ground. It's so important to shine a light on what is going on there, not to give oxygen again to the conspiracy theorists, uh, but just to show the problem with the mindset uh, of the people and, and, and the radical left-wing policies that are being cooked up in these back rooms and at this, um, on the stage at Davos, Switzerland. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kenneth Malcolm, and this is The Kenneth Malcolm Show. Mm -hmm.